The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to another edition of the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Through the Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of your Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105 Through the Fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. He is also the pre- and post-game host of the Dallas Cowboys radio network. So we were out at AT AT&T Stadium today. This is Sunday night when we're recording this. And so you'll be hearing it Monday morning. But, man, what a victory for the Cowboys. They come away with a 20-point win over the Chicago Bears. And a game that, man, I think we all thought the Cowboys had it in them to, to handle Chicago pretty easily. I think we knew Dallas was the better football team, Brian. But... I don't know that I saw it playing out exactly like this and some of the ebbs and flows and and just what a wild game. And ultimately, the Cowboys put up damn near 50 points. Uh, What's your your big macro takeaway from this game today? Yeah, this wasn't going to be easy at all. And when we were all trying to predict scores and talk about what we thought the ending might be, I know I went with a 23 to 13 kind of a vibe. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, Dallas scoring as many points as they did. I, I'll tell you, Dallas scoring on the first four drives. Uh, I, I, you know, that's something it, it they just made it look so easy yep. against a Chicago defense that talking to Chicago folks, they were really pleased with their secondary. They felt like they had some, some good players, some good young players, um, you know, they felt like that, you know, they can match up, they can cover, but yep. and it wasn't the same. I mean, they just, they didn't get it done today. And, and uh, the Cowboys early in that game, I thought Dak Prescott threw the ball very well. I thought he was protected. Well, I thought Kellen Moore had a really nice first 15, his nice 15 turned into a nice 30. And, you know, so yeah, they were able to put together some things that, they felt like that they could take advantage of when you look at uh, and how they attacked different parts of this uh, Bears defense. You know, they had a plan in mind. And 
whether it was Valdor, the corner, you know, yep. they, they had an idea that like, okay, if we're going to throw the ball, we're going to throw it him. And if we're going to run the ball, we're going to run it over here. But I, I thought that Kellen Moore did a great job again of he made the Bears have to defend the entire field. It, you know, it, and it was some, some nice misdirection, some point of attack run plays, slants, uh, you know, passes to tight ends, whatever they had to do to move the football today, they did a great job of it. And I, I, I think that when you look at this on the defensive side of it, this was not going to be one of those, you know, should have given the Bears more credit and should have known better after the Monday night game for the possibility of them and how this offense could develop. Their yeah. offensive line is not great. It's it's banged up. It's beat up. But the way that they use their skill players, especially the quarterback, with the the ability of him to run the power game they have in their running backs, it makes it a very difficult team to deal with because even when they get 20 points behind, they still run their offense. They don't yeah. panic. They don't try and throw the ball. They don't do things that will put them in harm's way. And that's that's really what this game came down to. The Cowboys were good enough on offense. Defensively, though, it, it took every man on that roster uh, to get that done. I mean, I'm watching Bell play safety. I'm watching Clark play inside linebacker. You know, I'm watching – uh, Hankins, who just got signed, play a lot of snaps at defensive tackle. It took everybody out there. McQuamu, it took everybody to, yeah. to get this game home. And I'll tell you what, they have to be pleased and proud. You can say what you want about Chicago Bears, and they struggle with this and that and the other, but you don't see offenses like that very much in the NFL. And with a serious power running game and a quarterback that's is is – good as as he is at, at, at being a part of that too yeah and I think you know uh, really took it to this defense this is a this is a, a legitimately top tier defense that the Cowboys have and then the Bears took it to you in a way that no team has before but I, I guess the thing that's comforting to me is that there's no blueprint here to me because the other teams just don't have this personnel yeah they, have Justin Fields. They don't have Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert's a damn good football player. I I, I mean, you know, I, I I was sort of aware of him, obviously, and, and and what he was doing this season, how well he had played. And then I got to watch him a little bit, and I was impressed. And then I see him run the football today. It's like, that's a good football player. David Montgomery's a good football player. They, I, I like what they're building there, and I, I think that they've got a way to stress teams, uh, stress defenses. Um, ultimately today, you obviously had some problems with tackling. Tackling was not great. Uh, across the board, there were too many times where where you know they let guys slip through. They had some you know issues with the misdirection, get things flowing this way and go back the other. Over pursuit was an issue. Um, you mentioned Damone Clark there. Obviously, you're going to watch the tape. When people are listening to this, you'll probably be you know up to your eyeballs and tape watching the game back. So we'll hopefully have some bigger takeaways later this week. But your your first view on Damone Clark. I thought Clark played pretty well just from a first viewing. You know, when I when I would zero in on him and try and focus on him, I thought he played well. And they really had to throw him in there, I think, more than they wanted to once Anthony Barr got hurt. Yeah, he is, uh, as you mentioned, as we're taping this, that young man's probably asleep in bed right now. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. probably grabbed him a bite to eat, and then, uh, you know, he headed on home and went to bed. Uh, he got a lot of action in that football game. And credit to him, credit to Britt Brown. You know, credit to you know the the uh, his ability to get back on the field and be ready, and you know that was a struggle for a lot of guys out there. I mean, you know, Donovan Wilson. Here we are in week eight. Donovan Wilson goes out of the game with cramps. Yeah, that that kind of tells you where we're at. It. I'm going to get to your Clark question, but I mean, a lot of guys had to go out there and play. And Jaron Jaron Curse went down three or four. I feel like every week we see Jaron Curse helped off the field. He's just so banged up right now. Yeah, he really, really is banged up. And you know, but you know, you're right about watching Clark on tape. And there were a couple of times where I made it a point to you know watch him. And 
I felt like that he and Leighton Vanderush really communicated well uh, yeah. in that game. I, I felt like Leighton, uh, Leighton played very well. Again, it was going to be his type of game, a physical running team, uh, sideline to sideline, uh, you know, uh, was going to be needed there. I thought he was up to the task, but I thought him and Clark communicated very well. And when Clark, it, it wasn't like you saw any huge glaring errors that, that I said, oh, okay, that was a big run because of Clark, or that yeah. was a that was a pass that was behind him that he's got to go get. You know, I, I didn't see anything where it was just like huge red flags of him making mistakes. But you're right. Watch the all twenty two. Try and focus in on him and try and figure out a little bit about this Cowboys run defense, Bobby. We've talked about it before when it turns into. Maybe the corner, or excuse me, maybe the defensive end gets hooked. Maybe the linebacker's a little late. Maybe the safety doesn't fill. And, you know, a lot of these things could be because of players that don't get a lot of practice time were having to play. Clark, I guarantee you, Clark didn't have a lot of practice time. I guarantee, no. you, I guarantee you, Bell didn't get a lot of practice time. Hankins. Yeah, Hankins. Probably on the scout team when I'm talking about Bell and Clark. You know, probably scout team guys all week. You know, how much work did they get, you know, in the actual scheme? That's a credit to those kids for being prepared and being ready to go when it when the when the bells come. Bland, you know, Bland got probably a lot of work at, at nickel corner, but you know, he, he's only really played that that commander's game. And for him to go in there and 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 hang on, I I thought the overall that they did a really, really nice job of, of you know, in a, in a difficult situation. That that game was not easy to close. Offense did a great job of getting points. I kind of heard your turning point of the game when I was listening to 105.3 on the way home, and I, I thought you made a, a really good point about that drive, the pass that Dak threw to Schultz for 30 yards. Yeah. The game was The game was still in doubt until you make that pass. And because like I said, and you've talked about here on the show with us, there was, there's, <laughs> there were a lot of guys who were just hanging on and just trying not to make a critical mistake that would turn that game around. But that, that pass you talked about, I, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Cause that was a situation where it's 28 to seven. Uh, you, you think you get the interception on digs. Then you get the, nope, Chauncey Golston, had the rough in the passer, which I know we all don't like the rule, but I think letter of the law, it was accurate. He hit him in the face. I think I think you look at it and go, all right, that is roughing the passer. Uh, yeah. So that takes it off the board. They then score a touchdown. Then you get the DAC interception, um, which we can talk about here in a second. That leads to three points. Then they score a touchdown on the second drive out. Now it's all of a sudden a five-point game, a lot of momentum, and you're looking at a second consecutive three and out before he hits that pass to Schultz. And then once he hits it to Schultz, it's, Boom, Schultz for 14, Turpin for 11, Lamb for 12, touchdown Pollard. And then you just felt like they responded. They responded exactly the way they needed to, didn't let it overwhelm them. I thought that that was big. Um, specifically, an area of offense, the first play of the game, we talked last week about how we knew you're going to give him that play-action boot throw, Dak, to get him comfortable. That was always going to be the first play out of the gate. Uh, it was interesting today to see them – scheme up a really basic, just like two-yard like throw in the flat to Michael Gallup after Gallup had been such a big topic of conversation for this football team and his involvement this week. That felt a little bit like, hey, let's do for Gallup what we did for Dak last week to try and get him back in this game. Let's get him comfortable right off the bat. Let's get the ball in his hands, make him feel good about things. And I think it was effective. He had a really good first half, four catches, 48 yards, uh, made a couple nice plays there. Is, did it feel the same to you that that was almost like a concerted effort of like, hey, this is this is a bigger picture play here for our first play of the game. We want to make sure Michael is taken care of and we get him in the right area of confidence for his game. Yeah, I think going into this game, Bobby, that you and I started hearing the whispers about Michael Gallup and, and maybe some of the confidence issues that he was having or maybe a little doubt, you know. These NFL players. You can see it. You can, you can yeah, see Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, you talk about separation and getting open and finishing and all those things. 
but you know, and and you just started hearing more and more whispers about it, and it was nice. And Kellen Moore came out on Monday of last week and was saying the question was asked to him, "Well, what's wrong with Gallup? Two targets, no catches." And Kellen Moore stood up there and said, "Hey, I need to get him involved. I need to figure this out." And they did. You know, if you look at the the slants that he caught, the the quick screen or the flat pass that he caught. You know, these are things that in, were in mind to, to get him going. And so I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, it, I, like I mentioned earlier, Bobby, it, it took everybody. It took everybody. It took all those backs. It took all the tight ends. It took all the receivers. The quarterback, I thought, played very well. Offensive line, I mean, but that's that's kind of where you're at. That it's There's a lot of guys playing with confidence, and, and maybe Michael Gallup, you know, I think there's been some things that have happened to him at practice that kind of, uh, you know, that he's that he's kind of lost a little confidence. It's like maybe he got scared a little bit on some stuff. You know, you just you, you start to hear things like that. He, that he, he, he told us the reason he didn't play against the Giants is because he didn't feel good about something that had happened at practice. He told the media yeah. that. Yeah. And so, I mean, he, you, you've definitely heard him reference some of the, the this lack of confidence things and then right. you have you have to feel you it's understandable where where when a guy's already dealing with some confidence issues and then it comes out of a game where it's zero catches on two targets it's right. easy to be like man I'm not, I'm not holding my own and so you saw a lot of covering fire it felt like this week Kellen Moore I got to do a better job Dak Prescott I got to do a better job Mike McCarthy I got to do a better job it was very you know, us focused instead of Gallup focused. Yeah, they 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 were the ones that were willing to fall on the sword, and and I don't mean fall on the sword. Yeah, it's bad when you fall on your sword. Sword, it's usually death. But you know, they, <laughs> they were they were everybody. They're was, protecting him. They're, they're protecting very, him. They're very protected, and they know how hard he has worked to get back. And so maybe this uh, this game helped him a little bit, and then he could go home. Kind of sit back, relax, you know, get himself together, and then come out when they play at Lambeau Field here in a couple weeks, and and go make some big plays for you. Uh, on the Dak topic, Dak was incredible in the first half of the game. He had the bad throw uh, there at the end of the half, which you'll get a chance to watch the tape. I'll watch the tape this week. We'll take a look and see. All right, what's the issue there? Because the question is, did he see? It was Eddie Jackson who made the pick, I believe. Did he see Eddie Jackson or? Did he did he just not see the safety there in the middle of the field, or did he see him and think he was playing further back? I've got an opportunity, a window to throw this in, and didn't realize Eddie Jackson was in a position to close as quickly as he did. I get the feeling without having to see it back on tape, just I I, I feel like that's what happened, is that he didn't have a good feel for how quickly Jackson was going to be able to close on the ball. Um, and I don't know, he may have addressed it in the uh in the postgame show, but or, well, he said, yeah, he said postgame. That he got a little greedy. That again, when Dak makes throws like that that get picked or almost get picked, his general response is, I can't make that throw. I got a little greedy. Now I understand because greedy was, greedy works out greedy works out sometimes for the guy. And I'll so tell you what, yeah, he sometimes. You know what? He, the way that he was playing in the first half, I would have probably taken the shot too. But you know. Luckily for the Cowboys, you know, defensively, and what they call a sudden change, where boom, there's a turnover. You've been on the field. You give up a touchdown. Your offense is on. You're, you're thinking, okay, 40 seconds. We get to go get some Gatorade, maybe an IV, and we can kind of get things together. Oh, wait a minute, we got to go back out there and play defense again. That's yeah. where you have to be careful, and that's where this Cowboy defense has been good enough. When the offense has written checks that its body can't ca- cash, the defense has cashed it for them. You know, and I, I mean, whether it's bad punts, uh, turnovers, defense has done a great job. And when that it's that sudden change that they don't let touchdowns happen or, you know, generally points. In this case, you got the field goal, but that's okay. I mean, that that's, yeah, it made the game closer. The thing that you were a little nervous about was that the Bears were going to get the ball in the second half. But yes. let's focus on Dak. I asked you this question in the postgame show, Bobby, and we need to figure this out. 
are the throws that Dak makes down the middle of the field the ones that he struggles with the most? Because it, you look at the Tampa game, you look at some of these other games that he's had where he's thrown it into coverage or he's not seen defenders. You know, that's that's something that we need to to. Is there something that's holding him back from seeing safeties in the middle of the field or linebackers dropped? Because stuff on the outside is not a problem for Dak Prescott. It's stuff down the middle of the field that tends to give him the most issues. Yeah, and that's a, that's probably a research project this week to see what the data looks like when he's throwing things. Because definitely it does seem like when he's he's having issues with you know, where the safety is and, and ball placement or, or depth perception as may have been right. a case on, on that one. It definitely does seem to be generally deep middle. Um, at least just, you know, thinking back on it without actually looking at the data, the data may say eyeball so. test, eyeball test yeah. watching games when, yeah. Dak, when, you know, yeah, the Dalton Schultz pass was down the middle of the field, which was fine. Right. I mean, that was yep. middle of field, middle left to him. You know, the stuff that looks like where he's had problems is when he's gone middle right is where he seems to have the most uh, the most issues. It just, question, it, just, it just appears that way from, from watching these games. Last question here uh, on, on the topic of, of this specific game before we roll into the next segment here. Uh, Anthony Brown was bad on Sunday again, I thought. I, I thought there were a couple times where – even like like there was the Valus Jones throw down the field where that should have been caught, but but he was, that was gonna get caught. Yeah, uh, he he he's he got beat a couple times out there. Are you seeing a guy that's playing? You know, we talked about Michael Gallup and playing with confidence. Is Anthony Brown not playing with confidence, or has he just not been good? Like like I don't know what to do about that situation because you they clearly don't have confidence in Calvin Joseph and Deshaun right behind him. Yeah, this is one of those times where you admit uh, a fault and. My fault coming out of Oxnard was that Anthony Brown was going to have as many interceptions as Diggs, maybe play just as well as Diggs. And he doesn't look like the same player that we saw last year that had, you know, the Tampa game was poor. The Las Vegas Raider game was poor. Other than that, he played really, really well. And I felt like in Oxnard that he was going to, you know, step up and he, he did. He had some really good practices. And uh, but he's not the same player. It just doesn't look like, uh, you know, he look he's looked timid. Uh, he's looked at times, uh, you know, not as aggressive as he needs to be. I guess timid and lack of aggression is a kind of the same word. But he you just, see, you see, you, you see him hesitant, and then guys get by him down the field. I I don't. It, it's amazing that you know the the Lions game the other day. Was it third and sixteen or third and fourteen? Yeah. And they run yeah, up, and he gave run it up. up. Yeah, Mike, he's pedaling, and then you think, okay, go ahead and drive on this ball, and he's still pedaling as the receivers curling back to the inside. The he had a pass interference penalty today, right? With uh, that arm went around, and he tried to go around. Uh, man, I I thought that was a little tough, but I, yeah, he did. To your point, I don't see the same guy that I really believed was going to have a, a, a great year. I, I haven't I haven't seen that so far. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, Brian, it just dawned on me. You know, we, we talked about that whole game, and and I failed to mention, like, really, we, we didn't even discuss. There was so much going on in this game, we didn't even discuss the star of the game, Tony Pollard, which we'll get to that here in just a second. But first, I also failed to mention at the beginning of the show our, our great partner here at Love the Star, and that's Boomer Jacks. You know, Boomer Jacks is the spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for a night out with the family, if you're looking for a place to have drinks, you know, happy hour with your coworkers, if you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, whatever the game might be, Boomer Jacks is the perfect place for it, especially on Tuesday and Wednesday nights right now. On Tuesdays, they've got half-price bone-in wings. On Wednesday, they have half-price boneless wings. So a great deal, whatever type of wings you like. I know there's a there's a big debate out there about the boneless versus bone-in wings. I used to be the same way until I had Boomer Jacks and I've had both, and now I love both. I can accept both. The coldest beer in the Metroplex is at Boomer Jacks. Drink special starting at $3, buckets of beer. It's a great atmosphere. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, every game you can possibly think of. It's there at Boomer Jacks, and there are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by heading over to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. Brian Broaddus, tell me about Tony Pollard and your thoughts on that, because we didn't even get there. Tony Pollard was fantastic on Sunday. Yeah, I think he did an outstanding job, and I think Tony Pollard was ready for this opportunity in years past, we'd seen Tony Pollard not really share carries with Ezekiel Elliott. It always been third series of the game. I was talking with Brad Sham about this and, you know, I mean, how many times does Brad say, well, Tony Pollard now in the game, it'd be the third series of the, of the game. And then he'd play yeah. a third series of the third quarter kind of a thing. You've seen more of through week eight, You've seen more of him and Zeke sharing those carries. And, you know, that's the thing I think is that was that's what helped Tony Pollard get ready for his opportunity. Tony Pollard's a fine player. And Tony yeah. Pollard is can more than, you know, he can more than carry the mail for you when he has to. But the fact that he's played the first eight games and it's been a sharing of carries. And not just all Zeke, all Zeke, and then when Zeke goes down, well, okay, let's see what Tony can do. I think you had an idea of what Tony could do when we came into this game. It was just going to be a matter of, was he going to be okay on the third down and short stuff? And, uh, you know, how many carries were you going to give him? I thought they did a great job with him and Malik Davis. I thought the offensive line created plenty enough space for him. Tony ran the ball hard. They didn't get any bad third down in short situations and get stuffed or any of that. So uh, tip of the cap for Tony. But Tony's been playing and getting ready for this this role for for a while. I mean that that the fact that he hasn't he shared carries I think is a big thing. Fourteen carries, one hundred thirty one yards, three touchdowns for Tony Pollard. And you know you mentioned those third and shorts that that big fifty four yard touchdown run on a third and one carry. Yeah. Um, so he he performed at a very high level. Uh, let's take a look. Now that we're at the bye week, Cowboys sit at 6-2. and two. They've got the second half of the season coming up ahead of them. Let's take a look at some of these questions about where the Cowboys need to move forward. And, and this is a good transition point here because we can talk about Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Heading into today, even though it's been a closer split, Ezekiel Elliott still had 40 more touches than uh, Tony Pollard on the year. And Tony Pollard, I believe, heading into the day, had more yards from scrimmage. Right. So you're the guy who's got more yards from scrimmage on 40 fewer touchings, a much more dynamic player. The question is not, does Zeke get benched or does Zeke get cut? Like, Zeke's going to be here. The question is, should that be flipped? In the second half of the season, should Tony Pollard have 40 more touches than Zeke? I think you're going to play some better defenses down the road. And I think this is where um, – you know, depending on how the offensive line, and I think the offensive line blocks well for both these guys. Sure. But but I, you know, Bobby, I if Zeke was struggling like last year, and say Zeke didn't say we didn't know that Zeke had hurt his knee, but Zeke is struggling 
and you're kind of thinking like, well, man, when I give Zeke the ball, it's a 3.2 yards a carry. And I give it to Pollard, and it's 4.5. And, you know, your eyes tell you that one's getting to and through the hole quicker. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think that they've done a great job just trying to balance these two guys out. I, I think, you know, what was it the other day? They had 27 carries between them, 15 and 12, you know, for a buck 42. I keep saying it, 5.2 yards a carry. I, I'm okay with that. I am totally okay with that because to me, if you split those carries that way and give them both the opportunity, it's two guys sharing the load. It's not one guy getting 27 carries and then he's not healthy enough till Friday to go do that again. I think the wear and tear you're saving on these backs by giving 115, the other 12, I should it be huge disparity? Should one get 20 and the other six? No, it, but if they're, if they're pretty close to what they're doing, I, I have no problem. I, I think you need to come up with more creative ways to get them both in the backfield. Or, you know, like, and you saw a little bit of that where Zeke's the halfback, Pollard's a, a wing or a, a slot or whatever you have to do. I think there's just some seriously good creative ways to get them both on the field, get them both touches they need. But if you're telling me I can have 27 carries, 142 yards for a five point average, I'm 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 going with that. I'm going with that uh, that that all day. I guess the thing that uh, you know when you look at there's 40 more touches coming into today, that and that does end up being you know five more touches a game for Zeke. So while it's not a yeah, great, but how many are like those third and one, third and twos? You know? Sure, sure. But I mean, like generally every game that Zeke and Pollard are playing, Zeke's getting more touches. Sure, and so feel like there there's a better way to establish I mean you look at today like when we talk about they combine for 27 carries for 142 or whatever like we see today like Pollard on 14 carries gets damn near 142 on his own and we see that explosiveness and how tough that is I guess that's just the thing is that shouldn't it come down to Pollard should be primary because the explosiveness is just it's so invaluable for what this offense is trying to do yeah I I sound like I'm fighting for Ezekiel Elliott I'm fighting for two guys I think both deserve opportunity. And I, sure. I, understand, I understand what you're saying about explosiveness and the players. I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm getting older and, I, you know, my vision's not great all the time. But I kind of feel like that my eyes are telling me that Zeke is still playing at a, at a solid level. And Pollard, you know, given opportunities – I think he's playing as a solid level as well. And so to here's, me, here's, here's I, the I understand. I understand. It's well, no, no, what, I just what's, mean, what's explosive and makes people miss. And the other is just pretty much gets what's blocked. Will I mean, at, at times will show balance. will be able to spin, you know, probably not the home run hitter he once was. I, I get that. Sure. I get that. Sure. But, but can you, I guess my question is, do you think if you do reverse the workload and, Pollard's more the primary. Can you preserve more of Zeke's health so you don't run into some of these knee issues they've seen the last two years? That guy is like one of the healthiest running backs in the history of the national football. Oh, man, he's been banged up the last two years. Guy played through a torn knee thing, Bobby. Come on. (laughs) I know, but I'm just saying, like, can you potentially preserve that and get a more efficient workload out of Zeke if he's taking fewer carries? I can see the comments in this section right now. Oh, Broadus is just being old, <laughs> crusty guy. He doesn't I'm want playing him. devil's advocate. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I know. I know. The, eye, the eye test, you see, you see big runs. You do. You see absolute sure. big runs. And that's something I think that, well, okay, why, why, why not continue the way it is? You can keep Pollard fresh, too, for some big runs. Sure. You know? And yeah. I, but I, I, I just don't see – I just don't see in the second half after the bye, it is going to be a flip of these players. I just don't. Now, can we see Turpin get more involved and other things like that? Sure. But I don't know if the running game is going to dramatically like, okay, Pollard's the starter. He's getting uh, 18 carries and Zeke's getting 12. I, I don't I don't see that. I don't. Cup couple other questions uh, heading into the second half of the season. Uh, you know, we talk about the run defense. We took calls here tonight. Kevin Gray and I, our, our teammate at 105 through the fan, doing the Specs uh, Cowboys postgame show. 
we, we took calls tonight and everybody was wanting to talk about the run defense and, and how that's a big concern for them right now. And it, it is. It's, I don't think teams are going to be able to stress you the way Chicago does, but it's been an issue all year. And that was something that you're worried about. Is there a way that Dan Quinn can make this better without new personnel? Or is it just one of those things where it's probably going to be about what it is and you're going to have to wait until you can, you know, replenish your personnel in the offseason before it'll get much better? Not all your defensive ends play the run like Tank Lawrence does. Yeah. That's that's the issue. That's the issue. You, you, what do you want? You want really good pass rush or you want run defense? Which one do you want? Because right. unless you have four other guys or three other guys that play the run as well as Tank does, you're going to have Dorrance Armstrong get blocked. You're going to have Fowler get blocked. You're going to have guys on the edge – get blocked. It, it's happened. That's what this is. When you watch, and I, I, I'm not challenging anybody, but if you get NFL game plus or pass, whatever they call it now, NFL plus, yeah. you sit down and watch the all 22, watch the perimeter runs and watch what happens that gets the ball to and around the corner or gets the ball up inside, you know? You, yeah, we throw a lot of shade at Leighton Vanderesh. Throw a lot of shade at Anthony Barr. Throw I think I think Vanderesh has been good. I think Vanderesh has been good too. I think Vanderesh yeah. has been having to cover for some people who haven't been good. Yep. You know, and I think that 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 to me, you're you're going to have to make a determination. You know, and you're you're. I I don't know another offense, maybe Philly. I don't know another offense that is this diverse when it comes to running the football and that committed. You have got to – if Dallas continues to score 30 points a game and the defense plays the way it has, not giving up points like it has, I want to see somebody be really, really patient to run the football because you know what's going to happen? The clock's going to run out and you're going to lose by yeah. six – and you're going to lose by six points. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. You know, I, I, and so – to me, Cowboy run defense is you do not have, and this is probably going to make headlines like every other thing, and I say that you know people <laughs> take the wrong way. I, I just feel like, though, that you have one defensive end that can really, really play the run well, and the others are trying their best to play the run right now, and it's been a problem. The other big question, obviously, is as we head into the bye, people are still wondering, and, and you've got till Tuesday to make a decision on this if you want to trade. There's some free agent names out there. I know uh, Jerry Jones told uh, our Kevin Gray that, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice capital if it means getting a real difference maker in here. Stephen Jones talking to Todd Archer from ESPN. little more, you know, threw some water on it. It was like, eh, you know, we, we like that group right now. There's guys we got coming back. And then he said – not to mention guys that are available out there and was sort of, and then Archer followed up and was like, are you talking about Odell Beckham? Is that an Odell Beckham head? And Steven said, I didn't say that. So uh, Brian, as somebody who worked in that building, first off the question about the receivers going in the second half of the season, do you think they need to add somebody, whether it be a free agent, a trade, something else, add somebody to, to fill that out a little bit more. And second, from what you know of Steven Jones, is that him dropping a cutesy little hint about Odell Beckham, or do you think he was genuinely saying, "I didn't say Odell Beckham"? That's not what I'm he talking. did. Yeah, that, I think I I really do appreciate what Jerry. Any you know, if you want to be critical of Jerry Jones after what happened today in the game with his team being six and two at the bye, you got the Giants at six and two, the Eagles at seven and zero, oh, and he sees what's going on in the NFC right now. He sees it and. Jerry Jones told Kevin Gray that if he has to make a go-for-it move, he is more than willing to give the draft capital to go do that. Stephen Jones, who him and Will rely on the, the draft, do they want to give up first-round picks? Do they want to give up second-round picks? It's, it's somewhat in their DNA because they've done it before at wide receiver. But that's where I think Stephen is a little bit more cautious than his dad. His dad realized today that it's like, listen, we just won, you know, first half of the season, we won six games. Four of those games were the backup quarterback. 
if I don't go for it here or don't attempt to go for it here, what what am I doing? I'm 80 years old. That's that's what Jerry Jones is thinking. He's thinking this might be my chance to go do this because tomorrow he's not guaranteed tomorrow. Hell, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. But what he's thinking about his football team as a general manager is if he can make a move to put them over the top. I remember a move we made in Green Bay. We, we signed Andre Risen on, off the street. Andre Risen had been in Cleveland. He'd been with Jacksonville. He got released. Everybody said he was a malcontent, bad guy. One of the best teammates I've ever seen a guy. Guy played eight games, including playoffs and the Super Bowl. Eight and O oh with him in the lineup. Mm. That guy was a difference maker. When you have Robert Brooks and other guys like that, and you know, uh, it, 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 he was a difference maker. And and that's the thing about it. Sometimes you have to just say, you know what, we're going for it now. You, you know, you read the room, you read, you see what's going on, and you see what's happening in the NFC, and you see what's happening in your own division. You could win twelve games in this division and still have to travel on the road. But yeah. maybe if you go get a difference maker, you beat Philly, they lose one time, and now we're starting to talk about tiebreakers and getting home playoff games. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast, and you can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Brian, it is now time for our favorite segment of the show. It is our listener mailbag where we turn it over to you guys for some of your thoughts and questions. Before we do that, I need to once again say thank you to our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star, and that is Boomer Jacks. Uh, I cannot wait. Today, when you guys listen to this, this will be Monday. I'm I'm so looking forward to Tuesday, tomorrow, when I will get a chance to enjoy the bye week with a little bit of Boomer Jacks wings. Tuesday is half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday is half-price boneless wings. So whatever your preference is, Boomer Jacks has a handle. Boomer Jacks also has the coldest beer in the Metroplex, really anywhere, if I'm being honest. They also have uh, drink specials starting at $3. They got great buckets of beer. And when you sit down, when you're in the Boomer Jacks atmosphere, you're going to realize very quickly, this is the exact spot for whatever I'm looking for. Whether it's happy hour with your coworkers, you're looking for dinner with the family, somewhere to watch the game with your buddies, do your fantasy football draft next year, whatever else. Boomer Jacks is a great spot for that. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, every game you can possibly think of. It's all there at Boomer Jacks. 17 DFW locations, so I promise you there is one near you. Look it up at boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian. uh, First question here from John. Was that the most complete game in regards to Kellen Moore's play calling that you've seen from him? I'll tell you what, man. I thought I tweeted this out after they scored the first touchdown. I'm like, his first 15 were pretty damn good. And I go, let's see what he does the second 15. He followed that thing up with a touchdown as well. 
I, I thought he had a great mix. I thought he – I said it earlier. I felt like he really – he put the Bears' defense in a lot of uh, bad situations. His play calling was horizontal. It was vertical. It was all up and down. I mean, that – I mean, I mean, up and down a good way because, you know, he was really kept Matt Eberflus and that Bears' defense on edge. They really didn't have an answer for him. They, they really didn't. And I felt like in the second half when they needed some plays – he was able to dial him up. The creativity on the goal line, people give him a lot of grief about the shorter the field, the harder it is for him to call plays. The, the Dak Prescott touchdown, flow goes right. Schultz and Dak go left. Nobody's there. Schultz gets a little chip block. Boom, Dak's in the end zone. That's some pretty good creativity right there. So I think he was in his bag today calling uh, calling some, some ball plays. Yeah, I thought he was really, really good. I've said all along, I know this is always one that, People are always, uh, you know, puzzled by when I say this. I'll, I'll say, uh, and until I see otherwise, that the greatest game I've ever seen Kellen Moore call was when they scored nine points in Philadelphia with Ben DiNucci, a quarterback. <laughs> and it's not that's not just meant as a joke. I mean, it genuinely. I don't know if you remember. He did everything he could to manufacture points. There were all oh, these yeah. wild trick plays and everything else. He went deep into the playbook of just we got to do something to manufacture. It. And so I will always give him a ton of credit for. It. They scored. They should have scored nothing that night. The fact that they scored nine was all Kellen Moore to me that night. So I thought he did a really good job, actually. So that's the one that I always point to. But, yeah, this one was really great. The the very first game he called against the Giants, that opening night game where they were just torching them, and Randall Cobb on the sounds from the sideline was seeing he gets to the the sideline after scoring, and he motions back to the Giants, and he's like, they don't know what the hell's going on out there. They're totally confused. And that's like – that was that was a time where everybody was really high on Kellen Moore. So, but certainly one of his better performances. First time in Dak Prescott's career, they scored touchdowns on each of the first four drives. Last time they did that, 2014 against Indianapolis, when they uh, beat him down 42 to seven. And that was uh, that game was to win the division. I yes, it was. Yep, yep. That was uh, the last uh, Tony Romo division title. Uh, next question here from Doctor Mark, one of our loyal listeners, Doctor Mark Clee. He says, it seems D-Law is struggling a bit more this season against the run than in the past. Has scheme changed? His technique? Is it a product of him being a bit older and maybe slowing down? I don't think he's been terrible against the run. I think he's had his moments where he's been really good against it. Um, it's not as consistent, I don't think, as it's been in the past. There are times where where it's been a struggle for him. But, um, you know, it, a lot of people are struggling on that defensive line right now. So part of me wonders, okay, is it just the nature of of the way that they've got this scheme? You said it earlier, like, do you want to rush the passer? Or do you want to be like good against you know defending the run here? Um, I, I think a, a small factor of it probably is also yeah he is getting older. He's an older player now. He's into his thirties. He's had a lot of injuries. You know it's it's just maybe some slight natural decline. But I think overall he's still decent against the run. He's, he's still a good player against the run. I think he's your best defender against the run when it comes to the defensive line. To be honest with you. Uh, just look at the example of the goal line first and one from the one against Detroit last week. Yeah. You know, he beats two blocks. He beat a tight ends block. He beat a guards block. He put his head in there, knocked the ball loose. You know, I mean, I, it, he's, he could be a hard guy. A lot of the stuff that, that you've seen in the running game against the Cowboys has come off the, the Cowboys right side, which would be the offense's left side. Uh, I, I last time I checked, uh, Demarcus Lawrence is your uh, is your left defensive end. I think there's teams. How many times have we seen him knife down inside, get a tackle for loss and stuff? Yeah, is he the tank Lawrence he was three four years ago? Probably not. But I, I if you had four guys playing across the defensive line that play like he does against the run, we wouldn't be talking about a problem with Cowboys run defense. Next question here from JD. He says, OBJ makes so much sense for this team. I'm not even going to waste my question there. Uh, does linebacker seem to be the next biggest need? LVE is playing well, but with Barr going down, do you need someone to play meaningful snaps so the LSU guys can have some more time and not be forced in? Man, I I, I kind of would like for Jabril Cox to be forced in, to be honest. Damone Clark, I think that, like I said, they probably played him more today than they really intended to. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I, 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 I kind of wonder if we're going to hear something from McCarthy about, yeah, the GPS numbers on Damone Clark from the game. We, we, we weren't totally thrilled with that. I wonder if we're going to hear some line like that from, from Mike McCarthy because I don't think they ever intended to use him as much as they did, but they got in a pinch and had to. Um, I mean, you're talking about reps out there today with Damone Clark, Marquise Bell, and Israel McQuamu, like on the defense. That's certainly not what they're normally anticipating. Kelvin Joseph? Yeah, Deron Bland, Kelvin Joseph out there. So, so they get banged up, and they have to make uh, some some changes. I, I'm sure they'd love to improve at linebacker. Devin Harper just landed on IR with an Achilles issue. Um, they, they certainly could benefit from, from some better play there overall. I think, like I said, Leighton's been pretty solid. Um, but they've just been deficient in some other areas. But I'll, I'll be interested to go back and see what the tape looks like on Damone Clark specifically and how he played. Yeah, you know what? There's a side of me that if they were to go get a big-time player, if they said, okay, we're going to Jerry Jones draft capital this thing and go spend something and get somebody, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a defensive player. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a defensive player that makes this thing even better. You know, whether that's uh, whether somebody wants to give up an end a tackle, a linebacker, a corner. I, I, if you tell me to go out, you can use a first round pick to go trade for somebody that's a badass. Go ahead and put that guy on defense. You know, make this defense even better. You know, I, I think with Dak and this receiving group, I think they'll get better. I think the young tight ends with Schultz have done a really, really nice job. And you got the ability to run the football, and you got an offensive line that knows how to block for the run. So I. Maybe going to get a badass on defense might be the might be the trick here. I can't tell you the position, but just add one. Add somebody that's a difference maker on defense to go along with Diggs and Parsons and Curse and guys like that. And last question here from uh, at GT it up. Is Jalen Tolbert taking a year to understand what a pro is, or is this a player that just doesn't care about learning? I, I don't think Jalen Tolbert doesn't care about learning, and, and I don't know that it's even necessarily understanding what it means to be a pro. I think it's just been a steeper learning curve on on NFL concepts and the position and the and the intricacies of of what they want him to do. I, I think that that's just been a function of that. He he just was not as pro ready as we thought he was. And you you were owning the the Anthony Brown thing, which a lot of us messed up on the Anthony Brown thing. I'll own the Jalen Tolbert thing because I thought he was plug and play, ready to go, could produce at a Michael Gallup 2018 level. And he's just, he's not been able to do that. Yeah, it's been tough. They asked him to do a lot of different things. They asked him to learn three positions and they should have just asked him to learn one. And that was the issue. I mean, he he short-circuited on you and it really affected him and his ability to function. And you watched him fight in, uh, fight balls that were thrown to him. You watched him try and body. He didn't have a whole hell of a lot of confidence in Oxnard. He came back to the star had some practices where he was actually pretty good. You know, was you know, you think about some of the things that were going on in some of the preseason games. You felt like he could have started some of those. But you watched him play at South Alabama. This kid could go get it. He could go make yeah. plays. And he is, like, so far from being that guy right now. And, you know, they, they like you and I, Bobby, probably misevaluated him uh, and thinking that he could be plug and play. But I think his – the negative – things that happen to him at camp trying to learn what to do I think that really really affected and remember in the OTAs and the mini camps when he should have been learning and stuff he didn't practice he was rehabbing he was rehabbing and I, I think it was a really overwhelming thing to him that does it for us here today. Uh, another wonderful victory. Uh, it's obviously the bye week coming up, so we're going to have some uh, special little more evergreen shows for you this week. Uh, but we're excited to bring those to you. Until then, we'll talk to you guys later.